What am I talking on today, Nate? One-on-ones. Sweet. Transubstantiation. Yeah, okay. Sweet. Um, I'm talking about one-on-ones today. So, could somebody... Do you guys know what I mean when we talk about one-on-ones? Yeah. How would you define a one-on-one? One person with another single person. Okay. Is there anything happening or they're just... They're having very deep conversations. Okay. Cool. They're ha- two people having deep conversation. Anything else? What was that? You use one-on-one in the definition. Um, yeah, so basically what we mean by that is like you with one of your small group people or your resource leader with you um, being together and growing in the Lord. So first off, are one-on-ones necessary? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Can you give me um, an example of when Jesus did a one-on-one with his disciples? Peter in the water. <laughs> Peter that, in the water? Is that like when he came, stepped out of the boat? Is that a one-on-one? Well, the whole, all the other disciples were in the boat with them. <laughs> they were watching it happen. It was a small group. Okay. It was right like the night that he got betrayed. 
He took three people aside. Three on one. Again, Peter, James, John. Yeah, so there are three guys. So one on three. One on three. So small group. So it's interesting, if you look in the Bible, Jesus, I mean, he may have had more than this, but we see most likely he had three one-on-ones with Nicodemus, maybe, in the middle of the night. With the woman at the well, we know it was just her because the disciples were confused when they came up, like, what's going on? And then Mary Magdalene, after he rose, he was in the garden with her. So those three, none of them were his 12 disciples. So that's interesting. So he somehow did discipleship without doing one-on-one. So I think it is possible. Um, But it's interesting. Our culture, I think, loves one-on-one. We're a very individualistic society, and we love... uh, It's kind of like what we default to. Like... Uh, like the time that Jesus sat down with Peter for a cup of coffee and they talked about uh, how Peter talked too much. <laughs> you guys remember that story? No? <laughs> that's probably because probably it didn't happen. There's nothing sacred about coffee shops. I love coffee, but there's nothing sacred about coffee shops. Um, so... What is our goal with everything we're doing in small group and outpost and all this? What's our goal? Yes. That's right. And a step further than that is making disciple makers, which I would argue that a disciple of Jesus is a disciple maker because they that's what he told them to do as well. So yeah, make disciple makers. Um, and I think if we look at what Jesus did, he did so much in the group and he was able to make disciples primarily through that group. Um, and part of the reason was that's because he lived with them. Like he spent all this time with them and our context is going to be a little different. Some, sometimes you might live with someone in your small group. A lot of times, and sometimes you might have classes with them, and we want to be in community with them as much as possible. But sometimes I think it is helpful to sit down one-on-one. But we should utilize the power of community whenever we can. And that's why I wrote, it takes a village to raise a child. And I've seen that the people that make it, like they keep walking with the Lord all through college and even after, are the people that have multiple connections within the ministry. And actually, I was just having a resource group, and we were talking about, we were just sharing stories about this semester and cool things that had happened. And it was really interesting, the things that got highlighted were all the guys that had multiple connections. It wasn't like, uh, none of the guys we brought up were like discipled by one person. So we need we need the community. That's really important. Um, so the goal is to make disciple makers, right? Um, and I think I think one-on-ones are a helpful tool. And if we can make if we can make disciple makers without one-on-ones, I mean, go for it. 
There's nothing sacred about a one-on-one. -on -one. But I, let's see. Next slide. Oh, I already said that. So uh, how do we how do we make disciples? Is there a specific formula? No. Yes, and no. I would say um, I would say whatever it takes. And we do that through small group, as a group, and we do that through one-on-ones, um, if, if they're applicable, and when they help. I think a lot of times we just default, a lot of times we don't think about what we're doing. We've seen something done, we've heard about something being done, and we just do it. So I think a big takeaway from this class would be to think about why am I doing this? What's the purpose of, um, and Brent's actually going to talk about the small group meeting after this. He'll probably touch on this. But what's the purpose of this one-on-one? -on -one? What's the purpose of this small group meeting? Um, and one-on-ones that are powerful, I think, are, are going somewhere, are going towards Christ. I love, we always tell this story, but Dick Foth, who was in Washington, like, ministering to senators and stuff, when he was young, he went there. H have you guys all heard this story? No? Okay, I feel like we tell it a lot, but I guess not. So he went there, and he was talking to the chaplain of the Senate. And he was like, how do you meet with senators? And the chaplain of the Senate said, um, I'll meet, I, I have these rules. I'll meet with him anytime, under any circumstances, with no agenda. And Dick Foth is like, well, is it your agenda, Jesus? And he's like, no, Jesus isn't my agenda. He's my life. And that's how we want to see one-on-ones. Um, and this time with one girl or one guy. It's important to ask yourself, where are we going? Is my, if, our life, if our life is Jesus, if our life is centered around Jesus, that's where we're going. It doesn't really have to be our agenda. And if they're open to it, that's where we're going. So, um, when I when I was in LTC, I found out about this thing called one-on-ones, and I got really mad. Dude, thank you. Free coffee. See, when you're in this fancier room, they have really good service. <laughs> so I, I got into LTC, and. I found out about one-on-ones, and I got really ticked at my small group leader, because he never told me, and all of a sudden, I was like, wait, so you had to meet with me? You had to hang out with me? I thought we were friends. And I wasn't mad for very long, because I realized we were, were really friends, and he did really care about me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That was just, just kind of funny. One-on-one uh, uh, -on -one should flow from our life and our love for our guys and girls. Not, um, not something that is like something we have to do. And we say it's important if you're going to build a small group to be with your guys and girls at least three times a week. Like that's the goal or more. But if you're seeing them at your small group meeting, um, at large group, and then at least one or more times a week, um, it's important because otherwise it's just going to be, it's going to be hard to make disciples. I got off my nose. Okay, so we talk about the three things 
right? Um, people you're pursuing should want what what are the three things they should want one of them have we talked about this what are the three things yes okay so they should want one of them and be okay with the other two and the same applies to when you're meeting one-on-one with someone they should be drawn to one of those things and be okay with um, with the others because if they're not if they're not moving towards if they're not moving towards your community or God then they're just a friend which is fine it's fine to have friends that are in that boat I mean we pray for them and we share truth but um, I think sometimes people will spend a lot of energy on these friendships and as a resource leader I remember one year I w- there were certain guys that would tell me about all these relationships, these one-on-one friendships they had, and I never met the guys, and they didn't—they weren't like united in this small group, and there was really no fruit from it. And so, one-on-ones—one-on-ones are meant to help. It's a tool for discipleship. It isn't discipleship. It's a tool for making disciples, and ideally bringing them into your community and um, getting them to follow God. So, yeah, if they're not moving toward God in your community, they're just a friend. And someone can change, but there's a lot of... We don't want to spend all this energy um, discipling someone who doesn't want to be discipled. So... Let's see, where am I? The goal, yeah, the goal is disciple makers. And the thing, I think we, sometimes we default toward one-on-ones because they they can make us feel good. Has anybody ever experienced that? You sit down with another person, they ask you questions, you're the teacher, you're the mentor, they don't know as much as you, and you get to teach them. And... Um, that can be helpful for a season. But we don't want to create dependence on ourselves. Jesus said that you no longer call any man teacher because you have one teacher, your Father in Heaven. And our goal, um, our goal, your goal is to take a punk and get them to a place where you would follow them in a few years. And that's the, that's the difference between just, just leading or mentoring or teaching. Like, there's guys in my life who I remember were punk and I would follow them now and I look up to them and that's that's hard because we have to die to ourselves and die to that idea that I'm going to teach this guy and I'm going to answer all his questions and there is a place for that there's a season for that Um, but uh, yeah it can't be like that forever okay so I've kind of torn down one-on-ones a little bit. But they do have their place. They definitely have their place. So just throw out some ideas. What what would you say a one-on-one is good for? Bonding. What is that? Bonding. Yeah. What do you mean bonding? Just like... Like going out and having an interaction. If I were to go on a one-on-one and just get coffee with you, I'll, I'll learn a lot more about you as a person than just in a small group. Yeah. Yeah, you can get, you can get closer to that person. Anything else? 
Yes. I just have like more deeper conversations, just like an open Okay, like in terms of like spiritual things or like your life. Okay. Cool. Anything else? Yeah. I think it also shows that they care not to take time out of their schedule to purpose, like intentionally meet with you. Mm. Yeah. I guess that goes for both people. Like it just shows that you really care for each other. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and along with that, um, something you have to learn is that the way you treat your resource leader is the way your small group people will treat you. So if you're making time for your resource leader, asking them good questions, you're going to find that um, you're going to find that your guys and your girls treat you that way. I don't know why it works that way. That's the kingdom of God. But it does. And I, I, I noticed that one time I was having trouble getting some of my guys together to pray. And one of them came up to me and he was like, dude, I tried to get my guys together to pray this week and they didn't want to do it. And I realized, like, maybe this is how Eric feels. And so when we, yeah, when you take time uh, out of your day to be with your resource leader, you'll see, basically, when you, yeah, when you take time out of your day to be with someone, it shows that you value them. And it goes, it goes both ways. So that was, that was good. Anything else? So, we touched on a few of these, but um, supplement, it's a good place to supplement supplement what you talk about in small groups. If small groups, um, if small groups not just a Bible study, sometimes there's going to be that guy that's like, wait, like Noah and the whale, is that a... Is that a band or, or is that a Bible story? I'm confused. And it might help to sit down with them and explain a little more of the Bible or study the Bible together. And you would be so surprised. So I, I was talking to this girl and she was like, yeah, I've never really been into Christianity because I don't like how they had the Old Testament and then they changed it and revised it and made the New Testament. And I was like, oh, no, that's not it at all. And you would be surprised how many people on this campus don't know anything about it. They, the, even people that grew up going to church. And so small group, depending on the makeup of your small group, it might not be the time to explain how the Bible is put together and like how it's divided and the significance of it. But when you get that guy or girl that has no clue, yeah, 101 is a great time to sit down, go through it. Um, or, or if somebody's never had like a real devotional life and they, they don't know like how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to journal, just basically you can sit down with them and be like, hey, here's what I do. Let's do it together. Um, yeah, like Jake said, challenge. That's a good one. We... Um, I might talk about this more later, 
Yeah, I'll talk about this more later. But it is good to challenge in one-on-one situations. That's a good time for it. But we are very, very scared of challenging in groups. And we need to get over that. Jesus did it all. Jesus made... Jesus made people like Peter look like idiots in front of their friends, and that's okay sometimes. Not purposefully, I mean, not not to make fun of them, but that can actually help the group, and I'll talk about that more later. Um, the front door, sometimes you meet somebody one-on-one, and a lot of times we make a small group or a large group the front door, like, hey, come to, come to this uh, large group, we're going to worship God, and they're like, what? And... So there are those people that it might be good just to sit down with them, be like, like learn about them, ask questions about their life, um, and maybe after a few weeks, they'd be ready for small group or ready for um, large group. I think, yeah, it's important to think about like, don't don't be afraid of asking somebody to come to large group. Like, oh, this guy's gonna think we're weird. Not like that, but. Think about where they're at and what they need. And there are those times, like I had a guy, our first couple meetings were just sitting down, explaining repentance, explaining the gospel for a couple hours. And then he got involved in small group and large group. And it was so great that way. I think sometimes somebody can just coast along through our small group. And if we never take one-on-one time with them, we don't realize like, oh, this guy's actually not saved. Things like that. And so that's important. Honor is a huge one. If you ask about someone's life, it honors them. If you ask for advice about your own life, it super honors them. Especially when it's someone younger than you and you're like, you're like, I don't know, but thanks for asking. Um, if you ask someone to teach you something, that also honors. Like, hey, I have, like, I know you have this skill. Why don't you teach it to me? And all of these things can be done uh, in a group. I'm just saying these are some of the things that um, might help to do one-on-one. Uh, impart hunger. Uh, oh, on here it's decision moments. So decision moments don't always happen in small group or large group. They can and they should at times. But sometimes you have that guy or girl that's been in your small group six months and it's time to sit them down and be like, okay, I think you understand this. Are you willing like, to serve the Lord? Are you willing to take this next step? And we, a lot of times the power of the community and just the spirit of God in the community just sort of moves people along on the current. You know, they just get swept in. But it's, it is really crucial for them to have that moment. The Bible talks about like, the old creation being gone, now you're a new creation. And that moment of laying down their life. Cause, because what can happen is somebody gets caught up in the hype and the excitement. And when they graduate, they go off on their own and they're like, oh, I just, I just hung out with everybody. And I just like, I had a quiet time because everyone else was doing it. And so it is really important that people have a real walk with God on their own. And sometimes you can challenge that in a one-on-one setting. You can also do it in small group, but one-on-one can help them ask their questions and stuff like that. Um, in part hunger, like I said, you're not really teaching, but imparting hunger, you're, the, the whole saying about if you give somebody a fish, they eat for one meal. If you teach them how to fish, they eat for a lifetime. 
you want them to learn to love the Lord. And a lot of times, people would ask Jesus questions, and he would just ask them a question back. And what did that do? It gave them more hunger. He didn't even answer their question, but they would be, they would be hungry to find out the answer. And so, yeah, one-on-ones can impart hunger. This is kind of what Asia touched on, pursue, pursue, pursue. So, yeah, it makes people feel valued when you pursue them. Um, and this is not pursuing someone, texting them at 6.45 on Thursday. Are you coming to Outpost tonight? You will not get a small group that way. Um, so call people. Nate always talks about walk by their dorms. Be like, hey, I'm just walking by your dorm. Or find a place on campus and go there again and again. Um, one thing I like to do is get go to the dining hall, like get swiped in by someone, but then just plan like three hours. And you start to see the same people over and over. And you can just have unplanned one-on-ones. It's awesome. Sweet. I think... Uh, I have some notes. I don't know what they mean. That's all right. Oh, I know what they mean. So the reason I'm in Outpost, I was... My parents are with another ministry. And so, obviously, I was planning to go with them. But this guy, Mikey, just kept inviting me to things. And I hadn't experienced that, you know, like, I hadn't experienced a, a guy, like a peer, caring about me that way. But he was like, dude, we're going camping. Dude, you want to come hang out? And um, that's like, that's why I'm here. And I think w- you can probably all say that, that one person uh, made a connection with you. And now, and then you got into the whole group, but that one person, that first conversation, or, or that first couple of weeks of meeting that one person is really important. Um, okay, I just want to talk about a couple, some guidelines. I think we might have touched on some of these already. What is the goal? The goal is always to make them more like Jesus, make them like Christ, and for them to become disciple makers. Um, and so that's important to have in the back of your mind like is this friendship is this when we're meeting for one-on-ones is this bringing the person towards Jesus and so um, yeah that, that's just maybe, maybe there's times where you're just hanging out and maybe like today you just hang out with this person and you don't feel like that one time brought them closer to Christ. That's okay, but overall, are they moving that way? Does that make sense? Is that is that where it's headed? Um, so, do you need to have an agenda? Like I talked about before, um, Jesus is our life, not our agenda. And Jesus should come up naturally. If he, I know for me, when I'm meeting with someone or just hanging out with someone, and I don't have something... Like, it's awkward if, if you haven't been spending time with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus and you're excited about something, it's just, it's easy to talk about it. But if you're like, I've, I've had this before where I'm like, I know I should bring up the Lord, but I didn't have a quiet time this morning, and I'm really tired, and I don't know what to say. 
like when we spend time with the Lord, it just naturally flows out. And so I think that's a good sign to you. If you have a one-on-one and you're like, I don't, I didn't have something I was just excited to share. That's a good sign. Like I, I need to go be with the Lord more. Um, yeah, it, what, what you're filling your mind with is what, is what you share about. So be careful with agenda. If people think they're a project, they're going to run. And so um, I don't even use the word one-on-one. I just, I mean, people, you're just hanging out. And who you are, like who you are is a follower of Jesus who wants other people to know Jesus. And so um, you're just hanging out. And a good friend, like a friendship has one-on-one time, but it isn't a one-on-one. You know, like with your best friend, you spend time one-on-one all together, but, or all the time, but you don't really think about, you don't necessarily think about like scheduling that. A good friend meets needs, listens, serves, and that's important. Kind of like, kind of like I said before, don't force things. Um, If like, don't, we, we should stay away from having this like, Agenda for our meet, our time together. Like we need to, we need to talk about this. And and I will get into. There are some people who want to like study a book of the Bible together or something, and that's that's fine. But um, yeah, be careful not to force things. So we talk about this a lot in outposts. Uh, people that we are discipling are a garden, not a factory. I think sometimes we want to be able to just like, you know, like just punch out disciples of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. He didn't do it that way, and we don't do it that way. So, do you guys know what the plant is on the left? Spinach, yes. And then these are tomatoes. But if you treat spinach and tomatoes the same way, they will not do well. Spinach, if it gets dry and hot, it's going to start growing up and flower and get really bitter. Because what plants want to do is they want to reproduce. And so, when it starts to get dry and hot, it gets scared not scared, but it, it starts to shoot up and it gets bitter and you don't want spinach that way. Tomatoes, when they get hot and dry later in the summer, uh, they have the same issue. They want to try to reproduce. And so they put more energy. Like you can see these plants don't look very good, but they're putting energy into the fruit. And so the same way is with discipleship. There's not a one size fits all. And it's so important to think like, what does this person need? If somebody's like spinach, they might need one thing. If they're like tomato, they might need another thing. And sometimes what happens, sometimes what happens is we kind of like get this idea of what discipleship looks like, and it's always different. It's it's different with every person. So. Um, yeah, don't, don't call it a one-on-one, unless they're calling it that, I guess. That's kind of weird. Hey, dude, meet somebody at the carnival, like, hey, man, you want to sit down for a one-on-one tomorrow? What do you do? They'll run. Um, and then the last guideline, go to them, go to them, go to them. You can never, I mean, there's a time, there's, you're always going to be inviting. I, I don't know of anybody who 
Yeah, I don't think you can go to them too much, unless unless you're like ditching your resource group and outpost and just hanging out with them. But like, be in their dorms, go to where they are. Uh, that shows them that that shows them that you care. Like sometimes this freshman kid's not gonna want to go two miles off campus to your house. Like that's they might, but it's kind of weird. Okay. Um, so what what are some situations where you wouldn't want to have a one-on-one or where one-on-one what are some problems you could run into ah i made a slide for that anything one-on-ones are perfect for every situation Yes. I don't even know if I have that on here. But, yes, I think a one-on-one relationship does not bypass whether or not they're fat. And I've seen that before. That it's like, oh, I have all these one-on-one friendships. But as a resource leader, like, I had some guys that had those, and I never met these guys. I would just hear about them. And it's like, well, they're probably not available, or, I mean... Yeah, a one-on-one does not bypass that. That's just a friendship. You can have you can have these guys in your life that aren't faithful, available, and teachable, but they're not guys you're pursuing for small group and one-on-ones. They're just people in your life. And and like I said before, we pray for them. We look for opportunities to share words because they can come into that. But yes, good. Anything else? Anybody else? Well, I have... Okay. First um, Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Follow me as I follow Christ. And so, Paul, um, he had, he told people to follow him as he followed Christ. But the point was they were following Christ. They were going to Christ. And what can happen with a bird is sometimes the first creature they see is what they follow. And when you lead someone to the Lord, you don't want that to happen with you. Because like I said before, you want the people you disciple to go beyond you. And they're following you as you follow Christ, but you need to get them to follow Christ. And that can happen uh, quickly or it may take a while, but that's the goal, to um, get them to follow Christ. And sometimes a one-on-one situation like sometimes you can meet with somebody for a couple years as a one-on-one and like they just learn from you and they're not like growing in Christ and that's very unhealthy. So we want to stay away from that. Um, so yeah, work yourself out of a job. We like to say that sometimes. Work yourself out of a job. You want, um, you want to raise up people you don't want to teach. You want to raise up people who can do this as well. Um, the other, another very negative thing is that it reduces, it can reduce vulnerability within the group. If you are, if you are allowing people you're discipling to open up to you, but not the group, that's, it feels good because you're like, 
you're in on it and you're helping them. And there is a place for that. There is a place for that. But your goal should be um, to get them to share with the group. And so I've heard of people saying like, oh man, like thanks for sharing that. Would you be willing to share that at small group? Because that's gonna that's gonna really help some of these other guys. And and when they do that, that's when you see transformation in the small group. You don't want to just um, be helping people in just these one-on-one relationships. And so it is. It can be a good time to challenge, but just be very careful. Um, and it can be a good time to be vulnerable, but just be very careful with those things that that that's not. If someone's only vulnerable with you and not the group, you're not you're not getting to where you want to be. Um, another pitfall of a one-on-one is hanging out with no agenda. Um, not with no agenda, because uh, we we shouldn't approach it with an agenda. But just hanging out without bringing up the Lord or without bringing drawing them closer to God or the community. Sometimes. Like sometimes guys will like to do an activity, which is awesome. Um, but at some point, if it's just centered around that activity, like if you're just climbing, that's not really the point. That's again, that's just a friendship. So be careful of that. I am running out of time. Okay. Yeah, one-on-ones don't bypass fatness. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> So another thing to be careful for is only challenging in a one-on-one because that makes people afraid. <laughs> like, like, hey, man, you want to hang out this week? They're like, no. What, what is it now? <laughs> so be careful with that. Like, it can be a good time to challenge. But if you don't just hang out and, like, uh, do other things, it's kind of scary and not really fun. And I... I Brent may talk about this, but it's important to challenge in a, a small group setting. Are you going to talk about that at all? Okay. So we love, we don't like confrontation in our culture, but when we do, we want it to be one-on-one and we don't want other people around, but it's so healthy. Um, not to bring up somebody, not, not to bring up something someone told you in confidence. Don't do that. But if you... If you are like, man, I noticed this about you and I think it's hurting our group. Like, are the other people in the group are going to be like, oh, man. Like, this is, this is serious. We do, like, I do need to love this group. I do need to lay down my life for these guys. And that person, um, and, and it gives the other guys an opportunity to come around that person and everyone to grow. And so it's awkward if like you're talking to one person and other people are just sitting there, but it does have a place and it, it, it can be valuable at times. Okay, another thing one-on-ones aren't good for, so a lot of times very deep stuff will be brought up and you just have to be careful because we're not professional counselors or psychologists. If somebody's struggling with suicidal thoughts or just really intense stuff like that like help them get help and don't don't think um like yeah you can totally be there for you for them and i think the lord can intervene in those situations but 
your responsibility is to help them uh, find find help more professional. So just uh, yeah, just be careful of that. Okay, three minutes. What kind of planning do you need? None. You have the Holy Spirit. You can get out of a class and go meet with a guy or a girl and speak truth, and it can be awesome. So uh, you you don't necessarily have to plan. But you should be praying for your guys and girls. And one thing I need to grow in is I'm very spontaneous, and sometimes I like, uh, get with my resource group or get with one of my guys and realize I haven't even thought about what their situation is or like taking time to pray. So it is important to take time to pray and think, think, think. Like just sit down if you have 15 minutes and think about, okay, where is this guy at? Where is this girl at? What do they need? Because like I said, it's a garden, not a factory. And I think so often we're just like, oh, I did this with my small group leader. Well, these people are going to be in different situations. And so it's so important to think and pray. Um, I would do that. I would spend most of your time in preparation for that as opposed to planning a lesson or a Bible study or that kind of thing. Um, In Proverbs, it says that a word aptly spoken... Or a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And we can talk all day, and it's like we're shooting a shotgun. Some of the things we say might hit it. You know, like if, if you're, you have this guy that's like overwhelmed and discouraged, and you're sharing about how you're learning about how archaeology supports the Bible. Like, cool. But that's not going to help him. And... Um, one thing I say sometimes is information without transformation is constipation. So uh, we, you guys get information. Uh, this is like, there's so much information. You guys and girls don't need information. They need transformation. They need Jesus. And so just think and pray about that. What is the, what is the, you want to be more like a sniper. What is that one thing that we need to tear into, like a surgeon? Uh, and get at what is that one thing I mean or or a couple things uh, schedule just just depends on the person um, if somebody's really spontaneous be really spontaneous even if you're not if somebody really needs to be scheduled out and you're spontaneous <laughs> try to be scheduled out that's hard for some of us um, yeah Try to try to go where they are. Try to give them what they need, not just what we want. Um, get creative. One of my favorite one-on-ones. We made paper airplanes and we were trying to shoot, hit squirrels on campus. We hit two of them, and this one girl was like, "What do those squirrels do to you?" <laughs> it's a paper airplane. <laughs> so, um, do do life with them. Go grocery shopping. Get creative, build something. Um, it doesn't. There are, there are, absolutely times to sit down and talk. Absolutely, it can be over coffee or whatever. But it's really important to be living life with them. So, that's what I got.
Brent's up. Oh, sweet. Do you need a PowerPoint? I do. I, uh, I'm gonna do it online. Are you on the internet? Yeah. Where cool. is yours? It's on Canva. I'm just gonna do it through Canva. Dude, that was good. I only heard the last one. Thanks. Really good. I love the way you teach you. It's so good. I like, like, yeah. I'm speaking my language. Like, you know, it's the same as me. I, uh, <laughs> I've never really done this before. Dude, it was good. I'm glad. You need to do it more. I think I maybe. Do you enjoy it? I do. Yeah, yeah I can tell. It's forty minutes goes by. Oh, dude, teaching just... like flies by. It's faster than preaching. Yeah. Oh man. Mm -hmm. Totally. Oh yeah. I guess I I thought they had a, a like view setting. Let me see. I bet they do. No, oh, present. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, man.
I watched like three times. Wow. 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 Alright, is this recording? <laughs> it's recording, right? Okay. Alright, let's begin our second class of the night. You guys realize this is um, this is our last LTC class. Give you guys yourselves a hand. You guys, y'all made it. You made it. Good job. I, I think, yeah, y'all should be really proud that, that you made it to the very end, and I just want to honor the fact that you've been all really faithful to this group, to this class. Um, Caleb was just sharing with me that he's sad it's over. That's a good sign. So, you know, like, I really hope that y'all have gotten a lot out of this, and I'm sure you have uh, from the various classes, and um, I, this room is nice, right? You know, we fill half this room. What if last, uh, next year we fill the whole thing? All right, amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. So tonight we're going to talk about the weekly meeting. Eric shared about one-on-ones. I'm going to talk about the practicals for your weekly meeting. And uh, as I said here in the subtext, how to make it unforgettable and life-changing. I really believe the weekly meeting can be both of those things. And so we're going to talk about how. I'm going to share advice from my experience over a, a lot of years. Um, I've, every, I've taught this class since 2015. Um, so every leader in Outpost has heard me share these things. Um, so if you notice things I talk about that your leader does differently, that's on them. Because <laughs> they didn't listen to me. <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. But... <laughs> Just kidding. There's a lot of there's a lot of flexibility in how you lead your meeting, but I am going to talk about probably looking at it maybe even from an angle that you're not familiar with. Uh, maybe you are, but I want to up front just say this: uh, we are not creating Bible studies with our weekly meetings. Okay, um, and I'm going to share why. I'm going to hope that by the end of the class you understand why. A Bible study is not what we're aiming for. And we're going to look at what is a small group meeting, what is an effective small group meeting, and what makes it effective. Now, let me say this up front. A couple caveats here. One, if they are friends with you, your small group members will come to the meeting, even if it's not the most profound or wonderful experience of their lives. Okay, so if you're nervous about creating the most ultimate small group meeting experience ever to be experienced, you can just forget about that. Just, just don't be nervous about that, right? Because if you make, if you're friends with them and they're friends with you, and your small group meeting isn't necessarily the most dynamic or exciting at times, it's okay. However, <laughs> we cannot excuse boring, uninspiring, uncreative small group meetings just because they're about Jesus. Right? <laughs> Just because they're about Jesus doesn't give us a license to not try to make them creative, effective, transformative. Um, this is kind of like Christian movies. Christian movies do this. They're about Jesus, and they know they have a Christian audience that's going to buy tickets to see these movies and pay money for them. And we all go and see them, not because they're good movies, but because we love the message. 
But sad, right? Because guess who's not going to watch the majority of Christian films that are cheesy and inauthentic? The rest of the world. They're, they're not going to watch that, or if they are, they're not going to get anything out of it because they're going to look at that as, it's just not true. It's just not conveying the truth accurately. And so we don't want to be like Christian movies, cheesy Christian movies. <laughs> um, you need to use your meeting as a vehicle of discipleship. Um, and so, uh, again, I'm going to highlight this a couple times. You've heard this already. Your small group meeting um, is not... Um, your small group meeting is not small group. Okay? And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but let me tell you this. What works for Christians will not necessarily work for unbelievers. Okay? And we want our small group meetings to be a vehicle for discipleship of both. So how are you going to do that? Let me share. <laughs> um, Okay, so yeah, here, this picture is so funny. This is not authentic. No one has ever been to a Bible study like this, probably. <laughs> They're having way too good of a time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to knock on Bible studies tonight. And I'm, uh, look, hear my heart in it. It's not because I think that they don't have a place. I think they do. But that's just not what we're going for. Um, and, and I want to share from my own story, I went to a Bible study as a freshman that, that really did not change my heart. And for a lot of the reasons I'm going to share tonight, it really failed to accomplish what an effective small group meeting would have, and later on eventually for me did, through Outpost. I eventually got into this small group thing that we're talking about and that you've all experienced at some level and that you're going to recreate I got into that, and it changed everything for me. It changed how I saw Jesus. It changed how I saw Christians, how I saw myself, everything. So I'm going to give you some three, three tips on how to make that happen. One, um, okay, yeah, again, I'll just say it again. It's worth reminding you. <laughs> your meeting is not your small group, okay? This is so hard to get past. I think even still... We say this a lot on our staff team, for instance, and our, a lot of our staff smart group leaders will admit this is a hard th mindset to break out of, that the meeting is small group. Like when we talk about small group, and we, and we say, like if I'm in resource group and I'm asking the guys how it went, they'll almost always talk about the meeting because that's a convenient way to look at small group and understand small group uh, in a measurable way, but it's not, that's not your small group. Right? You're, if the meeting happens or not, um, that's not essentially what small group is. What does Nate say small group is? What, is? what have you been taught here? What is small group? It's people you're pursuing. People you're pursuing who are in your, in your life, right? Yeah, so the, the people that you're doing life with, um, the people who are in other parts of your life rather than just the scheduled times. Okay, so weekly meeting is a scheduled time. The small group meeting is a scheduled time. And you're going to have small group members who will be only at your meeting. You'll probably have some of those, but you shouldn't necessarily consider those members of your small group. Let me explain why. Um, first of all, your small group meeting needs to be memorable. Okay, It needs to be memorable. This is so important. 
in creating an effective small group meeting. Don't rely just on what you know or think. Okay, when you go to prepare for a small group and you, you're creating content for it and you're thinking about what you want to impart in your meeting, do not just go on what you what your thoughts are alone. Show them and communicate to them stuff that you're reading. This is why we have such an emphasis on reading good books. I'm I am so much wiser than I would be just on my own because somebody else walked with God and had a brilliant walk with God and they wrote it down in a book and I read it. And I took what I read and I put it in my heart and so when I get to communicate it to guys I'm discipling, I'm imparting something to them that actually does blow their minds. It's not anything that Brent came up with. Like, honestly, if you guys read a lot of the books that I read, you would realize that my sermons on Thursday nights are borderline plagiarism. <laughs> okay? <laughs> If you get anything out of my, my messages on Thursday nights, it's actually because you've been spending time with Winky Prattney, not just me, okay? So that's why, if you want it to be memorable, if you want the, th- the truths that you're communicating to really stick, don't just go with what's off the top of your head. You need to be a student of the word, of good authors, of um, other men and women of God. There's a, there's a podcast um, called the Campus Ministers Podcast. You know, you can listen to stuff like this and and absorb a lot of truth that when you share it, they're going to be like, whoa, I've never heard that before. Okay, our maxims are really good for that. Um, we have a website. How many of you know we have a website? Let me pull it up. I'm going to show you our website. Okay, here it is, xacsu.com. Cool. Yeah, there's uh, some of our friends, Tim, Dustin, Ian, some other guy there. Um, You're going to go to resources. You're going to go to downloads, small group lessons, articles, and handouts. Wow, look at this. (laughs) A lot of great content to utilize. That's honestly really underutilized. Like, salvation. If you're gonna have, a, if you're gonna prepare a small group on salvation, go to the website, go to this tab, and look at. I mean, these are excellent handouts. Excellent handouts. How to become a child of God by Winky Prattney. Amazing. Lordship. Tozer's article there. Total commitment to Christ. Amazing. Um, prayer, worship. So we've got all these fundamental things that you can use. Don't just Go off of what is on the top of your head. Okay, That's going to make it way more memorable. Secondly, small group mem- meetings can be memorable without necessarily having to be some kind of mega production that requires all your time and energy. When I'm talking about making it memorable, some of you might be a little nervous about that because you think, um, I'm not great at preparing an event. I'm not great. You know, my small group leader was always doing stuff that's memorable, but I'm not necessarily like that. That's okay. I'm not, when I'm talking about being memorable, I'm not saying necessarily putting tons and tons of time and money into creating this extravagant small group meeting experience. I'm just talking about things like intentionality. You know, if your intentionality is there, if, if, if you just are trying to communicate an idea in an intentionally creative way, that's memorable. 
Um, talking about location, something as simple as just meeting in another place than where you normally meet is memorable. Um, time, time is the time when your meeting takes place actually is important. You're going to get a different dynamic if you meet at night versus in the morning when everyone's tired. So probably don't meet in the morning if you can help it. Okay, and these are really practical things, but they really do matter. Number of people at your small group meeting. So if you've only got a couple people that you're pursuing early off the bat, what, what are you going to do to make sure that when they show up, it's not basically a one-on-one -on -one plus one? What are you going to do? That's right. You're going to call your resource. You're going to text your resource group and be like, hey, I'm meeting tonight. I need some help. Who's, a, who's free? You're going to have a, some of you are going to have cohorts that will be able to do that. You can ask your resource leader to be there with you. You can ask other, other leaders here in the room to be there with you. My first small group meeting, um, my second year, I mean, I remember Nate was there. I, I, I had that thing packed with staff and resource, and there were hardly any guys that I was actually pursuing in there, but it felt like this awesome community was happening. That's important. That's honestly, th those kind of details matter. So rely on your resource for that. Um, here's another thing that will make it memorable, fun. Having fun together. Here's an idea. Okay, no one's done this. I think this would be brilliant. What if for a small group meeting, you had a toast making competition? And you got like six toasters and, and you just, you made, everyone had, you, everyone had the same bread but they could toast it to whatever setting they wanted. They could use different, you know, bring different toppings that they can put on it, and you judge who has the best toast. There you go. I mean, right? That's that's memorable. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything except it's just making a memory, and that matters. It's having fun. Having fun is intentional. I learned to fall in love with Jesus because I realized that I could have fun following God. Okay, so that's just important. You're gonna have hard-hearted. Remember what we say about dealing with hard hearts? What is it that plows their hearts? That's right. So have fun. Um, you can pair what you're wanting to disciple your group to do with an experience. Small group meetings can be a great opportunity to experience what you're talking about, not just talk about it. I took a group of guys to a graveyard when I wanted to talk about what it means to um, basically die to self and live to Christ. What a perfect backdrop for what I was teaching. And it, you can be sure those guys never forgot that small group. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that graveyard one in a little bit, but that's just the idea. Do you understand? Pairing uh, an experience, even if it's simple, with the truth you're trying to communicate is very memorable and therefore effective. Okay, the second thing. Oops. The second thing is, oh yeah, before I get to that, yeah, so some of the guys here got to experience this. Yeah, see, this was a memorable small group experience. We um, recently for Easter, we did this hike up Arthur's Rock where we read portions of the crucifixion story in the Gospels. Like we started with Jesus in the garden getting arrested. Then we went to his trial before the Sanhedrin. Then his trial before Pilate. 
and then his ultimately his crucifixion. And we stopped at different points of the hike, and we shared. I, I read different, those portions of Scripture and just made some comments on each one. And we also carried a cross, just a simple two-by-four cross that I had made a while back. We carried that up to the top of Arthur's, and at the very top was when we talked about the crucifixion as the sun was setting. Okay, And that was an awesome, memorable experience. We took communion at the top there, and that, that didn't require a lot of t- tons of work on my part to put that together, but it was memorable. Okay? So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about memorable. I'm talking about getting outside the box. Okay, the second thing you need to do is make it relatable. Your small group meetings should primarily include discussion and not teaching. Okay, they should primarily include discussion and not teaching, meaning you don't need to be the wise sage that knows all the answers. Thank God, right? You don't need to have perfect biblical knowledge to be an effective small group leader. You just need to be able to create good discussion. Okay? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that discussion actually is more powerful in someone's life than just strict teaching? Yes, makes them involved. Yes, exactly. Any other thoughts? Why would that be more effective? Yeah, Corey. Uh, so that it's not like it's uh, so you're clear that you don't have people all the answers. Yeah, that's huge. That's right. Yeah, Caleb. That's good. Along that with what Eric was talking about, honor to show that. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yes. Man, y'all are ready. <laughs> good answers. Um, every reason you just said is exactly why. As a leader, here, here's the thing to remember with discussion. You know, if you have a good discussion, sometimes the fear in that is the truth will fail to be communicated. But don't forget... You're not just a facilitator. You get to input on the discussion as well. And being the leader of the small group gives you, honestly, the most voice in that discussion. So when you weigh in, if you've been discussing whatever it may be, um, I led a summer small group last summer, and it was a good refresher for me to remember how to lead small group. And I, I, would lead a, I, I led some discussions where some of the guys shared stuff that was off or not true, and I would allow them to share, but I would always give my input as well. I would never just leave it with, you know, being up in the air or if they said, you know, I think the Old Testament is not true or accurate to the character of God, you know, I wasn't going to just leave it there. I was going to put in my two cents and the guys all listen because just by fact that I'm the, I'm the leader of the group, there's a little bit more um, credence to what I'm saying. Okay, so don't worry about, okay, if I'm going to just have discussion-heavy small groups, the truth's going to get lost in that. that that's not necessarily the case. Um, you want to ask good questions. Okay, a good, an example of a good question is one, it's open-ended, and not yes or no. Yes or no questions are not very helpful. If they can be answered with a simple yes or a simple no, try to avoid those questions. So prepare questions that are very open-ended. Maybe even questions where you don't have the answer. Questions that you're, you know, um, ones where 
they're not going to be able to respond in a simple sentence where they're going to have to really think about what they're saying. Secondly, make sure your questions are authentic versus leading. Leading questions, you know, where, where you're trying to get them to give you a certain answer are appropriate in certain contexts like LTC, but not necessarily as great in small group. Okay, here's why. Because it's not as relatable if every question you ask is, you, have a, you already have a preset answer you're looking for, you're fishing for, you're trying to lead them somewhere. That's, that's like having an agenda. And they, they'll sense that. Eric talked about the agenda and how that scares people off. That'll happen in your small group meeting. They will not want to open up if they think that you have some prepared answer you're looking for. You want to ask questions that are authentic. What do I mean by that? Where you're genuinely curious what they believe. Where you're genuinely curious what they think about the subject that you're talking about. Like If you're actually curious to know what they're going to answer, that's a great indicator your question is a good one and not a leading one. Um, questions where everyone gets to share no matter what their level of knowledge. That's another great question. Okay, So don't ask questions where only the Christians can answer it because the unbelievers are going to just have no idea. Find questions that create common ground in your small group. Open-ended, authentic, and level playing field questions where anyone could respond. Okay. Here's another way to make it relatable. Ask your small group members what they want to know or learn. There's a great book called Breaking the Islam Code. And in this book, the author J.D. Greer makes the argument that when Christians go into the Muslim world, they often are presenting the gospel through a very Western mindset that does not affect a Muslim at all because the questions that your typical Muslim is asking is not being answered in our typical gospel presentation. He had to find out when he went to minister in the Muslim world what they were actually asking so he could provide the right answers. How often do we provide answers that are not even to the questions they're asking and therefore do not affect them at all? Find out what they're really asking. Find out what they really want to know. And do that early on. You know, Don't wait to do that. Really find out and dig in and find out what they're actually wrestling with, what they're actually struggling through, so that you can address those things. At the end of the day, having a discussion is what creates the most buy-in. Because... I don't remember who, who pointed this out. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has something to contribute. Why would I go to a group as a non-believer? Let, let me just put myself in the shoes of an unbeliever. Why would I go to your small group meeting if I felt like I literally had nothing to say or contribute? Like my presence there, even if you want me to come to Jesus, I'm not going to care about that initially. Why would I come to your small group meeting more than once? It's got to be because I feel like I actually have something to share. And because what I have to share matters. So this is so key. If you're wanting to create a small group meeting that's effective at reaching not just Christians, but also the lost. But Christians too. Christians are going to see that this is totally different than what they probably have grown up with when it comes to small group. The third thing is you want to make it vulnerable. 
Okay, let's go back to the Bible study. The Bible study, this is what's so interesting about a Bible study, is that it often is so impersonal, it never gets down to the root issues. It can, you can pick any passage, you go through, read through John, and yeah, you can have a great study of the Gospel of John, and you've got small group members, Eric mentioned this in the one-on-one, you've got small group members that are hurting, broken, guilty, struggling with sin, you know, you name it, and that, that Bible study could never hit on a single one of those issues, its potential, to never ever actually be real. That was my case when I was part of a Bible study as a freshman. No one had any idea what was going on in here and in here. No one had a clue. I knew how to give all the right answers to just make myself fit in the group for a while, but they never found out that I was a fake, that I was not living for God, that I was totally selfish. Like That never came out because it was so easy to hide. And you want to make your small group meeting a place where people can be actually themselves maybe for the first time in their lives, where they can really, honestly, truly express what they feel and what they think. Subjects that help you do that would be forgiveness, smuggled meanings about hurt, about sin, about love, past discouragement, loss. Okay, These are naturally more vulnerable subjects, and I encourage you all to utilize them. Forgiveness is huge. Like you should have at least one small group meeting talking about forgiveness, at least one, and hopefully earlier than later, because that, that's the crux of so much that people are going through. I mean, it's bitterness, and and if you don't deal with that bitter root, you're just dealing with surface level stuff that's never really going to change their heart. You want to get down to the real. You want to make small group meetings real, and so if you want to do that, go to places that are real with your guys and with your girls. The goal for you should, is that you actually know each other by the end of the school year. I, I can tell you about small group meetings or small, group, small groups where by the end of the year they didn't really know each other that much better than when they started. And that may sound surprising, but it's totally possible to have this meeting time where you just see each other only at the meeting and during the meeting, it's never personal, it's never real, it's never vulnerable, it's just surface level. And by an en- the end of an entire school year, no one in the group would ever consider themselves friends, let alone would be able to really say that they know each other. Make it your goal that your small group members know each other. And the meeting can be a great way to do that, okay? You want to ask them for their commitment to the meeting. And the reason why you're going to tell them you want their commitment is because you are entrusting precious things to one another that require commitment. Like if I'm going to spill my guts and I'm going to share what I'm really going through, I need to know that you're not going to peace out. You see, that kind of ask is way more effective than, hey, I think you should be committed to my small group because commitment's important. They'll probably blow you off if that's your reason. Oh, yeah, sure, commitment's important. I get it. Everyone's telling me I should be committed. My teachers, my professors, my parents. You're just one more in a line of people telling me I should be committed to this, this, and this. But if you tell them, look, I'm asking for your commitment because we just shared 
some stuff that we don't share with just anyone. You see how that naturally almost commands commitment in this really cool way where it's like, wow, that's honoring that, that you would trust me with things about your life and your heart that you don't share with just anyone. Wow, that's a big deal. I must be important. And so for you to ask for my commitment to the, to the meeting time, wow, I want to be there. I'm going to make time. And the more that they share and they impart and they're vulnerable, they're going to be more bought in as well. They're going to want to commit to that meeting. Now, to do this, on your part, requires consistency. Um, you want to be consistent, for instance, with the format of your small group meeting. So I'm going to highlight in a minute here some examples of really unique small groups that you can do. But you don't need to make every small group meeting totally unique. There should be some regular rhythms to the meeting that help create familiarity and comfort and trust. Okay, so some small groups will do the high-low scoop, you know, it's like the basis, the, the start-off point. That's not bad. There's a reason why, there's a reason why we use that. It's to create, hopefully, an atmosphere of trust and vulnerability. Okay, um, what else? Uh, other ways to, to create consistent rhythms would be um, meeting at the same time every week. You know, don't bounce around and, and change the meeting time three times in three weeks. You know, I'd recommend just finding a consistent time, consistent day, and just stick with it. Don't bounce around. If they're in your life, they're going to make time for that time. If your small group meeting is the only small group that you have, and you're trying to meet your small group members where they're at, and you're constantly moving it from this day to this day, and this time to this time, that's, you're not at small group yet. Okay? Small group hasn't happened yet. You've got to get them in your life, and you've got to be in their life first. Once that's happening, pick just a consistent time. Have, have some consistency in where you meet. Pick a location that is safe to be vulnerable. I know some small groups like to meet on campus. That's great. But I would actually encourage uh, more of a living room. If you want to set a tone of vulnerability, uh, a lot of times a living room or a dorm room are just going to be way more effective at being spaces that they're going to feel comfortable to be able to share the, the really... Uh, the stuff that they're scared to share. I know it's a lot of practical stuff. I hope this all is helpful to y'all. Um, finally, with making it vulnerable, you have to lead the way in this. You have to set the tone for the friendship. You have to put your heart on the line first. Don't ask them to trust you and to open up before you've opened up to them. There's a, there's a rule of spiritual reciprocity here. The more vulnerable you are with your small group, the more vulnerable they will be back to you. If they're not vulnerable, check yourself first and see if you've been vulnerable with them. Here's a good indicator. Have you shared something with them that if they shared with someone else would hurt you? That's a good test for vulnerability. <laughs> Scary, right? That's why um, the small group meeting always is a risk. There's always a risk involved in small group meetings and, and leading small group in general. But that's what makes it exciting. When people rise up to the challenge, when they open up, when they finally become vulnerable and they share what they're really going through, when you're able to help them work through the root issues of their hearts and you see transformation happen, it's not possible without risk. So be willing to put yourself on the line. Okay, here's... Um, some freebies for you. 
of great, well, I, I think these are brilliant smart meetings. Some of these have been done, some of these not. I just think if you, if you, if you try these, at least one or two of these, it will be very beneficial, okay? Here's the one. Do a small group meeting on controversial passages in the Bible. Everyone shares one passage that they have struggled to understand or that hinders them from believing in Jesus, and you look at those passages together. Wow, you talk about taking a risk? You might come face-to-face with some passages you don't have the answer to either. You're going to have to be real with them and say, look, I don't think I know the answer, but let's figure this out together. How cool. I, there's a guy in Dylan's small group who told Dylan, growing up he had gone to some small groups because he grew up in the church, and he was never allowed to ask questions. Or if he did, he was shut down and told, that's a lack of faith, or you know, that's, you know, don't, don't ask that. How different is it when you have a small group where you invite their questions, say, look, nothing's off limits. Any controversial passage in the Bible, we'll look at, yeah, why, why, do, why does God command the Israelites to wear two different kinds of thread? We'll look at, why does, why does it seem like rape is okay in the Old Testament? Why does it seem like God in the Old Testament is full of wrath and not in the New Testament? Let's look at, uh, you know, you name it. I mean, there's so many passages that get thrown out. We'll finally deal with those. That's, that's going to be a small group where, one, it's memorable. Think how memorable that will be. They've never experienced something like that. I can tell you that. Secondly, it's relatable. Everyone has questions about the Bible. Isn't that interesting? Unbeliever? Yeah, you bet. They have questions about it. Probably secondhand skepticism. But they still have questions. They still have things that they want to know. So does every Christian. Um, so everyone's on the same playing field there. It's relatable. Thirdly, it's vulnerable. You're putting yourself on the line. It's not unlike... Uh, Eric and I have done some street preaching here on the plaza. And that's a, a real similar environment. It's actually more hostile on the, on the plaza. So at least you won't have hecklers, hopefully, in your small group meeting. You could. But when we're on the plaza and we, we're going toe-to-toe with people and all their objections to Christianity and their criticisms, you've got to be thinking quick. Like, I don't have time to be like, hmm. Let me, let me double check with my friends about the answer here. I, I've got to be, it, it refines me, it sharpens me. And it familiarizes me with, with their objections and with their hangups and with the things that are, they're struggling with. I have struggled through probably all those same passages myself at one point or another in my walk with God and come out on the other side with answers to those things. So that's what it'll do for you. Yeah, it'll require vulnerability, but it'll be great in the long run. Think how much more of the Bible you would know. You know, and so actually doing a small group like this requires more knowledge of the Bible than the average Bible study to answer the criticism that, you know, those that say that, I've heard the criticism before that Outpost devalues the, the Word of God, which is totally not true. But to answer that criticism, I would, I would object, look, to, in order to do small group the way that I'm presenting, you actually need to know your Bibles better. You can't just open it up read the passage, say what's the first thing that comes to mind, and then move on. You've got to know your you've got to know the word of God. You've got to know it. So over the summer I challenge you, get to know the word of God. You know, if there if there's parts of it that you haven't read yet, try to read those before fall. To at least be able to to say when you meet skeptics and unbelievers that you've read it, that you've that you you've gone through it with them. You know, if you've got passages that you don't understand, research them, dig into them. 
Find the answers so you can help someone that doesn't understand this. Okay. Uh, secondly, another one. This has not been done. I think this would be so good. Go to Horsetooth. Talk about forgiveness. Have everyone write down on a piece of paper or something they can write on every hurt that they have not forgiven and every person that's committed it. Tie that thing or tape that thing to a rock and throw that in the reservoir. <laughs> you see how that is, first of all, memorable. The location, the act of throwing away hurt, watching it sink into the reservoir to never be able to reach it again. I mean, how much more effectively can you communicate the idea of forgiveness than that? Secondly, it's relatable. Everyone will have something that they'll have to forgive. Everyone can relate to the need for forgiveness and forgiving others. And it's vulnerable, obviously. I don't need to elaborate that. Obviously, it's vulnerable to, to confess what you need to forgive others of. Okay, here's another one. Experience the presence of God in small group meeting. Or what does it mean to experience God? Ileana did this in Russia with her small group. A lot of the girls that she had had grown up familiar with the Orthodox Church. And when she asked them, what does it mean to experience the presence of God? They said, going to the Orthodox Cathedral, seeing the frescoes, hearing the choir, you know, the incense that's spread by the priest. That's the presence of God. What an aw- it was an awesome opportunity for Ileana to say, look, that's not, the, that's not what it means to really encounter God. It's not just going to some holy place. And they got to, in small group meeting, in that time, they, I think she used worship music. And they just sat there, and girls got to experience the presence of God. You can actually offer the opportunity to anyone in your small group, right then and there, to experience God, maybe for the first time in their life. So simple, so easy to do. It's memorable. You encounter the Holy Spirit. It's relatable. I believe everyone has access to the presence of God no matter where they're at. Honestly, I think unbelievers can often experience the presence of God um, and don't realize that. And that is sometimes a catalyst to them coming to Christ, or often is a catalyst. Thirdly, it is vulnerable. You cannot experience God without letting your guard down. This is simple. You, could, that, you don't have to do that one anywhere special. You could do that in your house, in your living room. Uh, here's another one. This is from Youth of Flame, the discipleship manual by Winky Prattney that uh, Nate has been preaching this most recent series from. We have some copies you can buy at the book table. I highly recommend you get your hands on one. In this book, he has what is called a spiritual checklist. And basically what this checklist is, you look back at your past, at every sin that you've committed, and you go through this. Have you stolen? Have you lied? Have you committed sexual immorality? Have you cheated? Have you spoken behind someone's back? Have you slandered someone? I mean, he's got the whole, it it is detailed. By the time you go through this, you write down everything the Holy Spirit brings to mind, and then you commit to making it right however you can. That chapter changed my life when I came across it. I couldn't, he actually says in the book, don't, don't keep going until you finish this chapter. I've done that with small groups, and it's very effective. I had a guy go back to Walmart and confess to a random Walmart manager that when he was 13, he stole from that Walmart store and offered to repay for what he stole. Okay, That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. When your small group members start actually making steps to make things right in this world, that is one of the most powerful witnesses for Christ that there could, that could ever be. 
I mean, you just think about how powerful that is to, to admit humbly, look, I, I, I was wrong here. I, I spoke behind your back, you, and I, I hurt you. I gossiped about you. You didn't even know it, and I want to confess, and I want to ask if you'd forgive me. That kind of stuff. And it's a cool way to do that together. Um, Nate, how much time do I have left? None. Okay. Um, ask me later if you want some more ideas. I've got plenty more. As you can see, each of these small groups are examples of the essential ingredients in transforming and having a transformative small group meeting. What are those three things? Okay, let's say it all together. It needs to be memorable, relatable, vulnerable. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Why don't we, uh, do we need to take a break or? Okay, great. Sweet. You have just completed your last LTC class. Yeah. All right. So, a um, couple of things for you practically before we do this test. One, you are this this test. Our goal here is not to try stump you. Our goal is simply just to give you like an excuse to review everything you just went through for the last, you know, nine, ten weeks here and and try to hone in on kind of the core concepts. So we basically have like one question from each class essentially. Um, if you are hoping or interested in being a, a small group leader with the outpost next year, we're hoping that you are. But if you are, uh, please Please, please get a hold of your small group leader. Sign up on that sheet that you'll have access to, uh, for uh, the post LTC interviews with me. They're like 45 minutes. We'll meet in the LSC. So if we can get you locked in the next 24 hours on when, that just helps my life. When people are like trying to like register like you know two hours ahead of time, I'm like, when did that come from? And I'm, you know, I got other things, you know getting scheduled oftentimes in there. So if you can give me, if you kind of let me know, you know, next 24 hours, uh, we'll start on Tuesday. So it kind of gives you just the next 24 hours to figure out your schedule for your week, when it works best, connect with your small group leader. But uh, please do get those. If you have any makeup uh, LTC classes you have not yet um, listened to, um, definitely sign in for today as well. Uh, there's some in there uh, that's, you know, make sure that you clicked everywhere that you were at. Uh, if if you weren't, I'm going to be getting a hold of you. Be like, hey, you haven't listened to your podcast yet from this week. You're like, I was there. Like, well, it doesn't show. So just make sure you got that clear on your on the on the online. Uh, any classes that you did miss, please do listen to the podcast. I know we have had some timing issues with some things, but we're trying to make sure everything is up now. Everything should be up. Everything should be good. Uh, I'll even be putting this one up just for completion tonight. Uh, yes, Isaac. Um, I've been looking for the podcast. Is it on just the Google Drive or is it on a different page? So the, you should be able to get to the podcast from, uh, if you go to your Google folder, uh, there's there's some basically web pages. Mm -hmm. And as long as you open them correctly, uh, some people have problems. Sometimes you have to like download it and then click it. It'll just upload a podcast link. There, you can look for it uh, through, 
you know, iTunes, something like that. Uh, LTC, I think it's, I can't remember exactly what it's titled. It's LTC Outpost uh, 2019 or something like that. But in the Google folder, you should be able to find that. So if you have classes you have missed, um, and almost all of you guys do, that's why we give you like three absences. Uh, if you did, please do listen to those. Send me an email report looking for just a quick breakdown of what that class was about. Remember, each Sunday is two classes. Uh, do that before your interview, because uh, we'll we'll go over all this stuff, go over your test, go over your interview, uh, or your how the class went, um, and and just kind of talk and dream a little bit about next year with you. So excited to do that with you guys, and um, yeah, hopeful that you guys are excited to to walk with us. We really would love to have this next year. Uh, with you marching with us and try to transform our campus. So, anybody have any questions about anything in particular? Right? Do you want me to do that announcement now or after? Oh, uh, yeah, why don't you do it now? Okay, do it now. Okay, so um, if any of you have any musical ability, whether it be singing, guitar, drums, bass, really need bass, um, anything of that nature, see me after the class today and we will talk about um, the worship team and what that looks like. Basically, we have a strong conviction you must be an effective disciple maker before you're on the worship team. So everyone that's on worship this uh, this year, they've all got smart groups. So you wouldn't be on the worship team immediately, but we do want to utilize your giftings from God, and we are in need for next year. So if you have any kind of talent or desire, to be part of worship, um, we'll just meet at one of these tables at the end of class. Okay, uh, interns, just uh, so you're aware too, if you missed the class, you also need to be doing makeups as well. I haven't got any makeups from my interns, so just so you know. So, yes, okay, so good question. Here's, here's how this is going to work. I'm just going to be in the back uh, getting some work done. You guys can leave now if you are in a rush to like, I've got a, fi or a final tomorrow morning and man, I got, you know, that's okay. You get that. Um, if you want to spend this time and just get going on it, I would encourage you to try to get going on it um, and try to get it done if you can before you leave. But we, I understand, you know, I was, I was always the last person taking a test like in the class. Uh, I always got good grades, but I was always there till like the very end. It just kind of was a slow test taker. I totally get that. It is a closed book test at this moment, meaning you can't go back to your notes and like review and try to find the answers. However, you can take this home. You can deal with it on Tuesday. You're gonna meet with me on Thursday. You can do that. If you're like, if you're like, I really actually need to review a but I haven't caught up on a lot of. Uh, my podcasts yet, and I think maybe I should have done that before I'm trying to take this test. Take it, go home, listen to the podcast that you missed, and then and then take the test. That's that's okay. So essentially, you guys are released today. Um, if you can't take the test, it is now in your hands to take it. Um, if you need to take it home, you just bring it with you to the interview uh, and we will do a quick, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have the answer key and all that. So if at any point you have any questions, uh, of course I can't give you the answer, but if there's a clarification question, it's like I'm not quite sure 
what this means, what that means. It always seems like we have some grammatical errors, mostly because I'm writing a lot of questions. So if there's some questions, feel free to just text me or call me at any point. Um, but yeah, good question. You're, if you need to listen to this podcast, just take it now, go home, uh, do that, uh, and then you can take it. But uh, we will need that test done um, before your interview. Okay, any other questions? Cool, cool. Okay, guys. Well, it has been our privilege and it has been a lot of fun to walk with you this semester in LTC. Hope it's been uh, fun for you. And, um, and we definitely value what the Lord has done in your guys' lives and uh, loved walking with you as we try to help you learn how to, maybe in a broader way, work through that and let God do through you. So, with that, we will see you Thursday night. I will be in the back. When you, if you are done with your test, you can drop it off there. You need to go. Have a great night. We'll see you later. Okay? Thank you so much, man. Yeah. Did everybody get a test? Did I print enough of them? Jake didn't get one. Okay. <laughs>